Welcome to another inspiring message from David Hall, pastor of LifePoint Church, Adelaide, Australia. It's our sincere prayer that you would experience the presence and power of the Holy Spirit as you listen to this message. For more information, please visit davidhall.com.au. You may be seated. If you have a Bible, turn with me, please, to the book of Mark. And I want to have a look at chapter 14, verse 3. And it says this, it says, And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, he sat at the table. A woman came having an alabaster flask, a very costly oil of spikenard. Then she broke the flask and poured it on his head. There were some who were indignant among themselves and said, Why was this fragrant oil wasted? Why this waste? For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor, and they criticized her sharply. But Jesus said, let her alone or leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me, for you have the poor with you always. And whenever you wish, you may do them good. But me, you do not always have, or you do not have always. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. So he sought how he might conveniently betray him. I want to speak this morning around, I'm starting a series of messages over the next few weeks, a series called Worship Changes Everything. But I want to have a look today specifically at worship that changes the atmosphere. Worship that changes the atmosphere. You've got to look at what was happening in this house. This was not your typical get together. You had a lot of awkward and strange or culturally strange things happening that normally wouldn't happen. Firstly, we're in the home of a leper. Simon the leper. Now, uh, commentators say that that wouldn't have even happened had he not have been healed of that sickness. So it's quite likely that Jesus had healed him uh, of leprosy and that's why they were able to be there. But uh, the book of Luke refers to him as Simon the Pharisee. Isn't it interesting that someone can receive something so great from God that God can reverse something so permanent and so destructive that to, to every area of his social, economic, and and, and future life, this guy's life was basically over because he was living under what they thought was a curse. God could heal him, yet he could still be religious enough to stay a Pharisee. I pray that we never get like that. We experience the freedom of Jesus and drift back into religion, drift back into tradition. I pray, I, I pray we live by what we sang today, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Can you say amen this morning? Now let, let, me, let me go on. This, this house is crazy. Not only that, Lazarus is there. Lazarus had been dead. Now he's alive. And, and, and I mean, that, that's going to get any church service going. If you have a bad service, just get Lazarus up to testify. Lazarus, tell us what God did. Well, I was dead and I'm not anymore. Church is taken care of that morning. And it's working. Now, this was happening. And then, then we see that the disciples were sitting with Jesus. And he was eating with the men, as was the custom. The, the women 
uh, wouldn't have been in that environment. It was the men that would have been sitting together. And the Bible tells us that a woman walks in, a woman who had been bound by seven devils and been delivered and set free. She walks in and she takes an alabaster box, or, or really it's a, a jar, whatever you want to call it, and, and breaks it. He breaks, she breaks the seal, pours it onto the head of Jesus and starts worshipping him, bowing at his feet, crying and, and, and her tears uh, were, were touching Jesus' feet and she uh, wiped his feet with her hair. I know it's a bit of a, an unusual expression of worship and uh, I, I found it awkward when Keith Moody was doing that to me last week. Uh, it was very uncomfortable, but it is in his contract. So I'm just, I'm just having fun, it's all right. It's not really in his contract, but <laughs> but you got to see this atmosphere. The men are sitting there now. It's interesting to me that Lazarus, who was dead and raised to life, Simon the leper, Simon the Pharisee, he's sitting there having dinner. They had got to a point where they had become casual in his presence. They were sitting there, even Jesus, when he, when, he, when he sort of sharply corrected Simon, and we'll get to that in a minute, what did he say? He said, none of you did this. None of you were standing. You, got, you guys, basically, you guys have become comfortable in my presence. And so the, the expression of worship that she's giving has agitated you because you're not giving the expression that you should. And so, and, and so this, this woman walks into an atmosphere where people have been probably a bit casual in their hunger for God's presence, their, their passion to reach out and touch God, and, and they become casual with that. And so this woman changes the whole situation. She walks in, she breaks custom, she breaks breaks etiquette. She steps outside of of gender uh, restrictions of the day and she walks in. She breaks a flask and she anoints his head and completely hijacks the atmosphere of that room. And then everybody gets angry at her. Everything goes wrong and Jesus is just loving it. He's going, this is church, finally. Can I say, I pray that I have the kind of worship that can change an atmosphere. I pray that if we're in a room where bodies are sick, that our worship can change things. Where people are facing challenges, that our worship can change things. Paul and Silas, they're sitting in jail. They're in stocks. They're in chains. They had been in prison for setting a girl free by the power of Jesus' name. And, and, and they're in there. And the Bible says it was at midnight. They're singing hymns and they're praising God. What does the Bible say? Suddenly there was an earthquake. The chains fell off them and every other prisoner in that cell. And they got free. Can I tell you, that's a kind of worship that changes atmospheres. Can I say you can walk into church, there's an atmosphere. Sometimes there's an atmosphere of faith. Sometimes there's an atmosphere of being casual. I I pray that we would never be those who have been raised to life by one Christ Jesus, but then casual in his presence. I pray we never become the kind of church that decide we're going to worship based on whether or not we like the song. There's a lot of songs I don't like. I don't know about you, some songs, I don't even know if it's music or if there's tradies outside using a jackhammer. But at the end of the day, somebody under the anointing wrote that song. It might not be my style, but he deserves my worship. I can't get so casual in the presence of God or with Jesus that I can fold my arms when he's in the room. This is not, this is not a folding arms kind of church. We've got to be a church that whatever's going on, whether we like the song, whether we think it's crazy, oh, Jesus, you're in the house. You deserve my worship. Are you with me this morning? 
I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to have a go, but I am trying to just motivate and prod a little bit because I don't want to be the kind of church that gets comfortable with, with the presence of God, familiar. I'll just show you in Scripture, when people got familiar, what happened? The miracles of God stopped. We know the story. Jesus comes to Nazareth, his hometown, and they go, who does this guy think he is? Where, where does he get this wisdom? Where does he get these miracles from? Isn't that Joseph's son? That's the carpenter's son. We grew up with this guy. Who does he think he is? And the Bible says that Jesus could not do any major miracles. He could not, not would not. He didn't get all upset, you know, I'm displeased. I shall withhold my miracles. He, there was no withholding. Faith and honor and, 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 and honor of God and value of God. That, that attitude of faith is the, the conduit to which the healing power flows. And the minute we get casual in the presence of God, Church, we can't afford to get casual in His presence. You were blind, but now you see. You're on your way to hell, but now you're on your way to heaven. We should shout for a thousand years. We should shout whether we feel like shouting, whether on the mountaintop or in the valley. He's worthy of our praise, church. And I want to encourage you today, let's move out of, uh, of preference-based worship. That's just religion. That, 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 that's just, that, in some ways, that's just a lack of gratefulness, and it's a spoiled response to a good God. He's looking for a people who rain, hail, or shine will get in the presence of God and go, Oh, I'm not worthy, but you are mighty, Jesus. Oh, you are wonderful. Oh, hallelujah. When you take that cup in your hand and you take that bread, take a minute and think, man, if it hadn't been for Calvary, if it hadn't been for what Jesus did. And church, I want to encourage you. This is a religious free zone. Let's not be the crowd going, oh, what's she doing? Here's the thing. If somebody gets a bit wild in here, I want to echo the words of Jesus. Leave them alone. Leave them alone because you don't know what they've been through. They might just have to praise. Let me tell you, these aisles were not made so you can walk down them. They're, they need to be torn up some Sundays. We need to get some people moving a little bit and praising God. I, I, I pray that this church would never get so stiff. And when I say this church, I don't want you to think I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to one congregation. I'm talking to just us in this season, in this day. Let's be a church that know how to magnify our God and worship because He's worthy. He's worthy, he's worthy. I was in a meeting the other day and they were singing a song and I just didn't like it. I thought the song was useless. And they just see everyone's jumping and singing this song and punching their fists and moving. I'm like, it's not even a song. It's like, and I went to bag the song to the guy next to me because that's what good preachers do at pastors' conferences. <laughs> well, I don't know. And as I look at him, he's got his hands lifted, tears streaming down his face. Didn't I feel terrible? <laughs> For nearly two seconds, I felt remorse. Thank God I was able to put that out of my spirit. <laughs> so I turned to the other bloke who was in agreement with me. But <laughs> this atmosphere was set against her. But her worship changed the atmosphere. What, what can we do in worship to change the atmosphere. This is not a, it's not a style issue. This is a heart issue. Because some people can worship God with one arm doing one thing, another arm doing this, one thing, another leg out there, one leg going in circles, and, and they, they can be going. And then you might have somebody who's been through hell and high water, and they're just standing there, and just standing, taking all the faith they've got. Don't always judge the outward. There, there might be people here just, just staying standing when the devil's knocked them down. And they're worshipping Jesus. Oh, I am who you say I am. It's almost like every word of that song, they're mulling over every single word. Don't, 
It's not an external thing. Mind you, every now and then we are Pentecostals. We can let out a shout every now and then. Every now and then we can smile and we've got a joy in our heart that we can notify our face. Now they say it takes 53 muscles in your face to frown, 11 to smile. Some of you need to just give your face a rest. You've worked too hard. Your forehead's got a six-pack. You need to just... some things I see in this passage that I, I believe this is, this is her worship this, what about her worship changed the atmosphere I'll show you a few things number one we see in Mark 14 verse 5 it says for it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii number one her worship cost her her worship was a year's salary that was the value she placed on Jesus you know today and I, I'm, not, I'm not in any way being critical or, or I'm not worried or anything like that, but today, there'll be people who didn't come to church today because they would have looked on their phones seeing that we're going to have bad weather, so they just didn't come. And some of you, I saw you doing a cross-country run down the side of McIntyre Road to be in here. You're wearing your army fatigues and your commando rolls, but you made it. Why? Because you knew that it wasn't about how you felt, but you know God deserves something today. You know, when, when I come into church, I'm here to minister under God. I actually get to come and tell God how beautiful, how magnificent that He is. And I'm so glad you made it on a cold day. My own wife couldn't even make it. Can you believe that? <laughs> Selfish. Un, uh, not, not okay. No, she's all right. She's in Bordertown. Where Bob Hawke's from. He was born in Bordertown. His dad was the congregational pastor of the congregational church in Bordertown. The house that he grew up in and was born in is now a Centrelink. Can you believe that? Isn't that unbelievable? These stories don't even write themselves. It's unbelievable. And make Bordertown great again. So this is, I don't want to get political. I look at two people in this story. We see her. She brings a worship and then Judas plans betrayal. Her worship cost her everything she had. Judas earned him 30 shekels of silver. What does Jesus mean to you? What value do you place on him? What va- it's amazing to me that for Judas, it was what he could get. He was willing to sell him out. I've got some things I want to show you that I really do believe is revelatory stuff that God's shown me. But the Bible says, Jesus, well, Jesus says in verse, and I want to find it because I, I want to read it to you. Uh, verse 8, it says, she has done what she could. She has done what she could. I believe worship is us doing what we can. And then God does what he can. I believe that's how the faith works. We do what we can do and he does what he can do. She couldn't do anything to stop him being crucified. She couldn't do anything to stop him from being mocked or falsely accused or betrayed or anything like that. But what she could do is touch him in worship. And what she did in that moment followed him all the way to the cross. She did what she could. Her worship cost her. You know, the Bible talks about being a living sacrifice in Romans 12. The Bible says bringing a sacrifice of praise. I believe worship does cost sometimes. I mean, if I walked up to one of you today and I said, I've got a, I've got a briefcase in my car. I'm going to give it to you. It's a million bucks. Whether you're Baptist, whether you're Methodist, you would shout the praises of God. I mean, you, you, if you're a salvo, you would shout the praises of God just like William Booth would have liked it. Can, it, can, I, can I tell you, if you're Pentecostal, you might even clap. You never know. You, you might even smile. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. It's easy to praise God when things are good. If you gave me a million bucks, you, people say money doesn't bring happiness. Nonsense. Money's fantastic. Oh, 
Think of all the things you can do. You could buy a dinosaur. You could do anything. I know, if I'm going to have a miserable life, I'd rather be miserable with money than miserable and broke. I mean, some of you are far too spiritual for my stupidity. I've got bad news. I'm going to be here next week. And (laughs) this is what I want to tell you. That praising God's easy when it's going good. It's a sacrifice of praise when you're going through a difficult time. You got a woman who's been so beautifully delivered by God, she couldn't help but praise Him. Sometimes I, I feel like, does our worship cost us anything? Yeah. Oh, I've got a, I've got a, got a sore leg, I've got a sore hip. I don't want to sing today. I, I had this issue in my ear, like, like a tinnitus thing that was just driving me crazy. And I'd come to church and worship and go, and, and Joel would sing, and the minute he'd sing, my ear'd start ringing, and. Uh, <laughs> You know, and, and my ear would, I mean, it was just, you walk into church, the noise, and it was, it was like a living hell during church. I remember thinking, I'll just stay in the office and come out a bit late, but I still walked into church. One day, I decided during our Christmas service to roll up some tissue and just stick it in my ear, but then it fell in and I had to go to hospital and get it taken out. <laughs> Don't improvise when it comes to ears, that's just a, but can, can I say this, even when my ear was killing me. I still said, God, I worship you. God, you're so good. One day in worship, just notice, hey, it's not, it's not happening anymore. I want to tell you, there's something supernatural about our worship for God. Let, anyway, I've got to keep moving. I'm getting, I'm getting on, a, I'm digressing. Number two, number two, her worship. What about her worship? Change the atmosphere. Number two, it was fragrant. It, it smelled in a good way. The whole room would have known I mean, if you cracked open a good bottle of aftershave, smashed it on the ground, the smell would fill the room. That smell filled the room. That smell followed him to Calvary. That smell was on him when he was on the cross. They would have smelt that expression of worship when Jesus was dying on Calvary. So when he was beaten, bruised, and crucified, that that expression of worship was still on him. It's interesting to me that uh, worship uh, can, can, can have a tangible effect on the room. Tangible is one of those Bible words that uh, we use in church that not everyone knows what it really means. Like, oh man, there's a tangible presence of God. We all use the word tangible, but don't fully know what it means. Oh, God's presence is tangible. We know where it fits in the sentence, but you wouldn't know the context of it without, this is not a tangible pulpit. Uh, My hair's very tangible today. Uh, like in your car, it's very tangible. That, that doesn't make sense. But we use a word that we don't fully know. The word tangible means something that you can perceive with your senses. And so her worship, there was something tangible about it. It, it could be sensed. You know, our worship may be not fragrant in our nostrils, but our feelings can respond. We can feel the presence of God in our worship. I pray our worship is the kind that brings the presence of God into an atmosphere that people can feel, that people can touch, that people can sense. You know, when we come here, I pray when you walked in the doors today as the worship team was singing, I pray you felt something. We don't need to be led by our feelings, but can I say, I want to feel the Holy Ghost. I want to feel the touch of God. When I come to church, I don't want to go, where's it? Where's the anointing? Where's the, where's the presence of God? I want you to walk in here and go, man, I feel the Holy Ghost. I, you know what? I, I don't want our church to be known for good preaching. I don't want our church to be known for good coffee. I don't want our church to be known for, for, for 
just all the bells and whistles for our screens or our lights or even necessarily what we're doing for missions or, or what we're doing in our youth ministry or in our community. Those things are all wonderful. But what I pray uh, our church is known for more than anything else is, man, God's there. Uh, the power of God's in that church. You got to check out LifePoint. The Holy Spirit's moving over there. Come on, are you with me on a Sunday? At least agree with something. I'm working hard. I want to feel God in this place. I want our worship to carry something. I don't want us to just sing songs and go, yeah, praise the Lord, and feel nothing. I, I preach in churches a lot, you know, and sometimes you're just in a place and you go, it's all good, but where's God? Where's God? He's, just, he's not here. I pray you'd feel God in this place. I pray that the the words, I don't want anyone to celebrate any man in this church. I pray people would walk out and their eyes are set on God and that our worship touches him. I pray that we give him a worship that's worthy of his presence. When when we worship, I pray the presence of God would so fill this building that demon spirits get off people's lives, that sickness and disease leave. You know, I, I love altar calls for the baptism in the Holy Ghost, but my favorite is when people are just singing and they didn't even ask God for the baptism in the Spirit and suddenly a heavenly language flows out of their mouth and they're singing in tongues and the power of God. I, I love it when worship's happening and somebody, you think, why are they sitting down? Well, they didn't have a choice. The power of God hit them and knocked them in their chair. I pray that the sick would be healed, that, that God would do super. I pray that people would come in here that don't know Jesus. And as we worship, there would be a regeneration in their spirit and they're born again. Come on, if you believe it, take 10 seconds and give God a shout of praise. For just Man, I feel this in my bones. This is so, I, I want to put, put afresh, these are our old values, but I want to reacquaint us with the beauty of worshipping God. I don't know about you, do you ever find yourself looking at your watch about 20 minutes in going, oh, I do that. I need it. There's something I need to get over that stuff, you know. I went and I was like, thanks. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> well, thanks very much. See you guys. <laughs> I was in church the other night. They sang for 90 minutes. I had to do three toilet breaks. I thought it was over, so I came back in and they kept going for another 20 minutes. I thought, man. But can I tell you, then all heaven broke loose in that place. You know, the day of Pentecost, they, they, they worshipped, I don't know if they worshipped or sat or waited, I don't know exactly how they were, but whatever they did, there was no breakthrough for 10 days. They were sitting there for 10 days waiting for the Holy Ghost to fall. But I tell you, when he did, I bet they were glad they waited. Anyway, I, I really do believe that our worship can be a fragrant worship. Number three, her worship... Her worship, the Bible says in Mark 14, verse 4, but there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, why was this fragrant oil wasted? For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor, and they criticized her sharply. Isn't that amazing? Her worship was fragrant, it cost her, and it was criticized. You know, the the responses to me, I love this, her act of worship agitated the religious spirits in people. Her act of worship exposed the darkness of some people's hearts. Simon the leper slash Pharisee. This blows my mind. This is what he says. 
Verse 39 of Luke 7, you don't need to turn there. Now, when the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, um, uh, spoke to himself. Don't you love the passive aggressive kind of? What was that? I said, <laughs> he says to himself, this man, if he, if he were a prophet, if he were a prophet, he would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him for she is a sinner. Jesus answered, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. What a response. Can I say, firstly, don't let a lukewarm Christian shut you down. Let me say that again. Don't let a lukewarm Christian shut down your worship. And some people shout and then someone gives you a look. Look right back at them and go, you should be doing it too. <laughs> I remember one day I was in church and we had a, we had a lady in our church and I believe, I believe she may have also been in your church and she was quite a responsive lady. And uh, she, she, you could be the worst preacher in the world, but she would never make you think so. And I remember one day she shouted something out and everyone kind of looked at her. I remember saying to our church, it just came out of my mouth. I thought, man, I wish you'd all shout like she'd shout. Hey, why don't you drown her out rather than criticize? I, 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 don't, I don't want to be the kind of church when somebody gets a bit wild if you're falling out under the power of God. I don't want people to go, I don't like that. Well, guess what? We do. And, and, and leave her alone. Leave them alone. If somebody, if someone comes in here and they're bound by a demon spirit and, they, and God touches them and it gets a little messy, don't sit there and go, oh, what a sinner. What have they been doing? Just give God praise. Leave them alone. Can I, church, let's not be the religious police. Don't be a Pharisee. We, as a church, we need a Pharisee and a Sadducectomy. <laughs> Why were they called Pharisees and Sadducees? Because they were Sadducee. They were miserable. If somebody got healed, all they'd say is, Why did you do that on a Sunday? Why did you do this? Why did you do that? Can I say that this religious devil wants to choke the body of Christ? And then I got more to say. I got more to say. Simon's son was Judas. What walked in fathers. Ran in sons. Dad says, oh, if he was really a prophet, son sells him out and betrays him. And son Judas is going, well, that money could have been used for the poor. Judas didn't care about the poor. Judas cared about Judas. And Judas was taking money. The Bible says it. He was taking money off the top. Firstly, people say Jesus was broke. Well, how can you be broke with a crooked treasurer and still be in business? I think Jesus was doing okay. You don't have a treasurer unless you've got a treasury. But anyway, we'll move on. But can I say, what a religious, what a religious, I believe the twins of hell. And I want everyone to hear me. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to everyone. This is not for someone else. This is for everyone, individually. The twins of hell that come into a church are, are religion and poverty. Where there's religion, there's poverty. I can tell you, you go to India, there's religion. And as a result, you'll have a starving child and a fat cow. I mean, I'm not being mean. I'm not, I was about to say a mother-in-law, but I want to clarify. <laughs> hey, Freudian slip. Sorry, Lauren. You'll have a fat cow. I mean, an actual moo cow. Like, I'm not being mean. An actual moo. Moo. A moo cow. A cow, a jersey, whatever cow. You'll have a fat cow 
that's being fed because they think it might be mum or auntie or uncle who's died and reincarnated as a cow. They'll feed the cow and kill the kid. That's the deception of religion. And religion, listen, religion breeds poverty. And can I tell you, the minute we start getting religious, then some little poverty devil creeps into our church. Churches go broke when they get religious. And can I tell you, uh, if there's two twins of hell, we need to run out of the South Australian church, religion and poverty. What does religion tell you? That that offering shouldn't have been brought to the Lord. That belongs to the poor. But people who'd never give a dollar to the poor anyway. Some of those religious statements come out of the biggest lies in people's spirit. And you, look, Jesus says you're always going to have the poor. You should always deal with the poor. You should always bless the poor. That's a given. It's not even, it's not even a question. But just because something's given to God, we think because something significant is given to God, oh, now we can't do something, something for those in need. Because that was given to God, it would unlock enough blessing to do so much more. Can I say, we could be, as a church, we've spent some time... I, I can't help but think this, but over the last 10 years, this church ha- has gone without, I'm talking about heights, for, for years in, in so many ways so they could do as much as they can all over the world. And the missions program of heights leaves Ridgehavens uh, found greatly wanting. And, and, and it's incredible. Churches planted all over the world. One man in our church, Chris, I see you back there. I think I do. Uh, if not, yeah, it, it, bless the Lord, he's back there. He's having a cigarette. And, and, Chris one day decides he's got, he's got a bit of money to put into something. So I don't know the full story, but working with Pastor Jeremy, they plant a school in Bolivia. We, our church has got a school in Bolivia with impoverished kids. And, 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 and so I look around and think this church uh, ha- has kept those things going and, and invested in that and done so much. So now we walk in, suddenly there's 600 or so people now join the church. Uh, you're overwhelmed with all probably too many of new people. We've got gear here that's amazing and all of this stuff. I can't help but think God was able to bless us to such a point that we were able to be the harvest that you've sown for for the last 10 years. And I just see God putting things together because you've been faithful and kind and now here we are. So I give God thanks for, for the season this church has been in because it's taken the gospel to the world. But can I tell you, the minute we start saying, if something's brought to God in faith, well, that should have gone over there. Be careful. Just checking your heart. Am I getting a bit religious? Because God deserves extravagance every now and then. I find religion gets into people's tithing as well. They'll stop tithing because they'll divert, they'll divert it elsewhere and go, well, it could be better used over here. Church, if you're tithing to something that isn't your local church, you're actually causing harm to that which you're giving your money to because you're giving them something that belongs somewhere else. And you're also stopping the church being able to do a collective thing that's so much bigger than the small thing that you could have done. And I'm a big believer that 
I, I make no bones about it. Our tithe belongs in the house of God. It belongs here. And her, her offering belonged to Jesus. And, and so we shouldn't let religion divert our giving somewhere else. Where it shouldn't go, it should go to where it belongs. The place that you're fed, the storehouse. And I believe this is the storehouse. And our collective giving to the storehouse enables us to do so much more than we could do on our own. Maybe you're here today and for whatever reason, it could have been over many years, you lost trust in church. So you decided, you know something, that's it. I'm not tithing to church anymore. I'm just going to give as I feel led by the Spirit of God. Can I say the Spirit never contradicts His Word? And the Bible says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there what? There may be food in my house. And when people hold on to something that belongs to God, all they do is they choke food being in the house and it makes the church unable to do the thing that God's called it to. And so then what happens is we get dissatisfied because the church isn't doing what it should. And because of your dissatisfaction, you pull back and it just is a, a cycle that leads to problem because the church aren't doing their part so uh, the people rather and so the church can't do its part and we have something that tends to neglect but when we all pull together and bring that which God's given us to its appropriate place which is the house of God then collectively the church can do the right thing 99 times out of 100 the reason the churches in the world are not doing what they should be doing is they don't have the money to do what God's called them to do people roll up in a top car I, well, I'm on it. Can I just say, people, they'll, they'll throw out the microwave at their place and go, you know what, I don't need this. I'll buy a new microwave and just bring the rubbish down to the church and just put it in the church. We don't want your rubbish. If it's not good enough for your house, it's not good enough for this house. Don't be such a povo. Give us the good microwave. I walk into church and I see kitchen tables that used to belong in someone else's house. And you thought, I don't want it here anymore. So what do I do? Bring it to the church. What a great example to the lost. Welcome to church. Pov Central. Let me tell you, the Bible calls God who? El Shaddai. What? The God of more than enough. He has more than we need. Let's not, let's not get... I just, want to cha- I just want to challenge things, even in the spirit. Over, over our church life, over this area, over this neighborhood, let's not be a church that shrinks back Let, let's pull together let's be a giving church let's be a, a faith church i mean if we look at the stats 50 percent of your tithe and we thank the 50 percent, but there's another 50 percent that i really believe let god speak to you trust again don't sit back and go well i'm just going to put it over there you, you, you just you just make it difficult for everybody i want to encourage you maybe your theology doesn't allow you to tithe I'd encourage you to just reread the Bible and see what God says about giving. I, I am unapologetic about teaching this stuff. I'll tell you why. Firstly, I hadn't planned to. Secondly, because I know the blessing that's on the other side of it. That's why I don't have a problem preaching about getting, getting saved from sin. It may, it may be confrontational, but I know once you get saved from sin, what's on the other side of it? That's why I'm not ashamed to talk about the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Wait, 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 don't clap just yet, please. When you get baptized in the Spirit, I know what's on the other side of it. Here's the thing. I'm not bothered to talk about tithing because I know when churches start giving to God, what we can do changes our city and our nation. And I want to encourage you today. Maybe you've gotten in the religious crowd and you've diverted your tithe because you've gone, why this waste? Can I tell you what a waste is? I'll tell you what a waste is. It's not a waste to bring something to Jesus and, and say, God, I, I want to worship you. I want to I honor you. I want to magnify you. I'll tell, I'll, tell you, I'll, I'll tell you, that's not a waste. This building and what we're doing here, it's not a waste. It might, to some, it might, might seem extravagant, but it's not a waste. 
I'll tell you what a waste is. It's a building like this with nice carpet, nice aircon, nice lights, but no presence of God. That's a waste. I'll tell you what a waste is. It's a denomination that has it all together, that has properties, that has buildings, that has resources, that has money, but isn't changing lives, isn't seeing people saved and seeing people healed. I'll tell you what a waste is. It's singers that get up here, they look good, they sound good, but they can't move somebody under the anointing of God because there's no power. I'll tell you what a waste is. It's a preacher who looks slick and straight out of the beauty shop and gets up here and, and gives you a few good thoughts and the persuasive words of the wisdom of men, but there's not a demonstration of the spirit and power. That's what a waste is. Can I tell you, if Jesus is in the house, if we're preaching the gospel, if we're putting missionaries on the field, and if we're lifting up the name of Jesus with signs, wonders and miracles following, it's not a waste. It's not a waste. It's how it should be. Oh God, help me. I feel like, are you happy today? I just feel like speaking some stuff into people's spirit. And what did Jesus say? Leave her alone. Church, let's not get religious around. Please. Somebody wants to get touched by God. Somebody steps out of their seat halfway through a message needing to get saved. Don't go, wait until the end. Let's stop everything. Repeat after me in the name of Jesus. Let's not. You know, the Bible talks about quench not the spirit. Let's not have the ministry of wet blanket. Fire extinguisher ministries international. The Spirit of God's moving. We avoided an issue. Somebody comes under the anointing. This is a highly flammable church. The worship was eternal. Followed Jesus to Calvary. It went with him. This fragrance went with him to Calvary. Her worship went with him. I pray that our worship touches Calvary too, but brings Calvary into this place where we exalt the name of Jesus and praise his name. and It's worthy of our praise. Maybe the whole band can come. Oh, you are. They're just going outside for some breakfast first. Mark 14, verse 9. I know I got a little bit loose today, but can I just say, I just feel like Adelaide does not need another cookie-cutter, suburban, safe, nicey-nice church. I, was, I went to Gaucho's on Friday night. It's my favourite restaurant in the world. Steaks, touch them, they moo, you know. It's like. If I lived in a country where my mother-in-law was a cow, I'd put her on the barbie and have her medium rare, right? <laughs> but, the, but I went to Gaucho's, my favourite restaurant. As I'm walking past, Pastor Jeremy, I walked down Compton Street with Donna and we had a look at the old original church, this church. Christ died for the ungodly. I think it was started in revival. It was started in the move of God. Can I say, I, I pray that the greatest move of God this church has ever seen won't be the one in the 20s. It'll be the one in the 2020s. It'll be the one in the 2010s. God wants to do something fresh, but can I say, maybe, maybe some of you have got a little religious. And I'm not, not being confrontational. I'm just being honest. Sometimes you just get religious. You know, if something's not right, well, that wasn't right. Can I say revival? Isn't, it's unpredictable. You can't control it. When revival happens, roofs cave in. People are lowered down. When, when, when revival happens, Jesus spits in the dirt, makes mud and puts it in people's eyes. Tells them to then go for a walk down a 90-foot staircase into the pool of Siloam, breaking every Oc Health and safety code that there is. Jesus didn't care. He'd take a kid's lunch and feed 5,000 people and then give him a bit left over. How does he explain that to his mother? Jesus turned water into wine and the AOG have been trying to turn it back to water ever since. 
I reckon, I reckon half the reason, I reckon half the reason, well, they're not anymore, they've turned it back to wine, but half the reason, half the reason I reckon he did that miracle was just to agitate all of us, to give us something to bicker about. Why? Because Jesus shook things up. Acts chapter 2, that wasn't delicate. I mean, that, we're so health and safety conscious that we've got everything. So we've got a rail for this, we've got a light for that, we've got this right. Well, was Paul preaching, in, 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 he was preaching somewhere and Eutychus fell out the window and died. <laughs> Who left the window open? Why do you let a kid sit by the window? Can I say, we've gotten so organised. I reckon we need to break loose. Some of you, you worship... It's boiled down to a little clap, a little hand up. Can I say dignity is not a gift of the Spirit? Decorum is not a gift of the Spirit. Being staid and demure, it's not a gift of the Spirit. I pray I never get over being saved. I pray that it still affects me. I pray that I still have to shout and I still have to worship. Here's the thing. When somebody gets a bit wild, leave them alone. Her worship was eternal. And Jesus said, wherever the gospel's preached, this story will be talked about. And today, we've just fulfilled that prophetic word that Jesus said again. We talk about it. And if it's not talked about, it's not the gospel. In other words, the gospel involves some extravagant worship. And right across this room today, I want us to stand. And I don't want you to be in a hurry to leave. If you absolutely have to, feel free. But I would love us to take a minute all across this building, lift our hands to Jesus. Let the anointing of God... Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it was an encouragement to you. If you'd like to know more about David and Donna, please visit our website, davidhall.com.au.